Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Creative Exchange. This one is a very special episode. So a month, two months ago, we actually did a pop-up shop and a live recording and, uh, you know, the networking events that I do called Hustle and Why with my friend Chris. We basically combine all of these things into one day at my friend's studio, 393 Broadway. It's like this really epic, cool space. And so the podcast that you're about to listen to is the live podcast. So it's me chatting to six of my amazing NYC creator friends. I love them so much. And so it was so fun to kind of just sit down and ask them questions. And you guys got to ask them questions too. So if you showed up to this live podcast recording, we took audience questions. And so if you showed up, thank you so much. It was such an amazing experience. And without further ado, here is the Creative Exchange live at 393. Enjoy, guys. This is more of a conversation between just my, oh, it got so quiet. Thanks, guys. Uh, My favorite creator people uh, here in New York. And so I'm going to kind of let them tell you what they do um, so we have some context, and then we'll get into some questions and just a discussion. So India, what do you do? Hi, I'm India. Um, I'm an artist. I make installation, so hanging words, signs, banners that kind of interact with the environment they're around. I'm also a photographer, and I also have a small apparel line that's based off of my work and my words. I just launched that about a year ago. That's been really exciting. Um, I live in Brooklyn. I love it. And uh, thank you, Sarah, for having me. Of course. Willie, tell us what you do. Uh, Hey, guys. I didn't plan on being up here, but thanks. This is awesome. So three-ish years ago, I started a company with a guy named Gary Vaynerchuk, who you may or may not know if you're on the internet ever. Uh, Yeah, that was pretty fun. Uh, And then uh, sold that last July. Um, And so since then, I'm involved in a lot of kind of advising and consulting roles, um, helping some friends out on the brand side of deals. Uh, And then I also, when I I had the company, I was doing like a behind-the-scenes vlog every day. Uh, which was a lot. And so now I kind of maintain that and a little bit of an online presence and just trying to help out friends and meet good people. Hey guys, I'm Dotan, Dotan Negrin. And about seven years ago, I started a YouTube channel uh, traveling around the world with a p- that, that piano actually right there behind everybody. Uh, and I traveled around the world. I, I did um, 500 cities, uh, t- 27 countries, and met thousands of people and playing piano in public spaces. Um, and it, it was an experience that really changed my life and opened my up to, opened my eyes to a different way the world works. Um, and about a year and a half ago, I stopped traveling and I took over the lease on this space right here. And I've been doing pop-ups and experiences and uh, gatherings. So welcome to 393 yeah. NYC. Dotan's the reason why this is happening. So super, Thanks. super rad. Woo! Cheers. Here we are. And here we are. And something I kind of want to touch on, Eric was going to be on this, but um, travel. So travel has obviously influenced a lot that you've done, Dotan. Um, but India, too, you know, you have a nine to five. You work at VaynerMedia. You do art, awesome art. But you also travel a lot. And so I just want to ask for you specifically, India, how are some of the ways that, like, like why do you travel? Like, why do you go hiking, you know? Um, and... How? You have a nine to five. Usually people out there, they want to travel, but oh my gosh, they have a nine to five. How do you do it? I'm not sure. <laughs> um, I don't know how I do everything. Uh, I think a big part of it is prioritizing that travel is something that I want to do. So, 
you know, when I do have that free time or it comes up, that's usually how I'll spend it. There's very few other things that I'd rather be doing besides making art, of course. So I think just, you know, recognizing when you have those moments in your life, when you do have the time to do something, you should just do it. Like one of my biggest regrets is um, moving directly to New York after college and not taking a year to just do something. Like I really wanted to go to Japan. I've still never been. I kind of had the opportunity, but then I was like, oh, I got a job in New York. I should just move to New York and like start my life here because I graduated. That's what I'm supposed to do. And I really regret not taking that time to go to Japan and experience it because that was like the perfect time to do it. So ever since then, whenever an opportunity like that comes up, I just take it because it's just so e easy to let those things get away from you. Um, so it really is making it a priority and uh, just kind of making it, yeah, just a really big part of my life and always taking up those chances when I have them. I think having an open conversation with your employer too, because I remember uh, we just went to an event in Yosemite, a uh, creator workshop week or something, and you just were like upfront with your boss, like it's going to be a really cool creative opportunity and they let you have the time off. So Yeah, definitely. I think there's always ways to, especially in the industry that I'm in and creators, and creating like stuff like that, it's so easy to argue that it's gonna be good for business because everyone's gonna be there and it's gonna be such an amazing opportunity to meet other creatives. So if you can find that angle, like that's definitely helpful. Of course, it's not doable for everyone because some people don't have the same kind of job that I have. So I understand it's hard, but um, I definitely think that if that's something that's important to you, you can find ways to make it work. And you guys are ahead of everyone else, like you're here. So you understand the value of being around like-minded individuals. Uh, you know, a lot of you guys are either from New Jersey and who has traveled from out of state? Oh, well, okay. What's the, yeah, South Carolina, California. Okay, what about out of country? Okay, just scream, scream. Sweden? Amazing, amazing. So. <laughs> I love it. Um, so, you know, there's such value in being around other creators. So, Dotan, in your case, when it came to a piano, playing an upright piano, you started on the streets of New York, but you started to travel the world. So, tell me a few of the places that you've gone, but also why? Why did you go? I was at a point in my life, um, I was 24 at that time, and I was really frustrated. Um, I was living in New York, I was making like 12 bucks an hour working for some artist um, doing deliveries, like art deliveries, and uh, I was kind of miserable with my life at that time because I was working towards other people's goals rather than my own, um, and I wanted to create something that was mine, that was that what, that I created, that something that I did that I kind of owned, that is uh, is me, um, and I kind of and I came up with this idea by putting together all the things I'm passionate about that I love, which is music, performing, traveling around the world, uh, and meeting people, and. Uh, I, I wanted to challenge myself in a way like, can I do this? Can I do this extraordinary thing? And so I spent a lot of time living out of a van and uh, sleeping in the van just to make it happen. And I actually was able to travel across the country uh, six or seven times without spending a penny of my own money just by street performing or uh, doing gigs and playing in restaurants and stuff like that. Uh, but since then, I traveled, uh, I drove once from New York to Costa Rica and then back again. So it's like Mexico, Guatemala, El Salvador, Nicaragua. And uh, I, I also did a trip where I went, I flew to Paris, bought a piano for 300 euro uh, on Craigslist in Paris, and then rented a van and did three months around Europe, uh, paying for everything just by sleeping a lot in the van, couch surfing, uh, finding a way. Like, I, I have to say, like, 
if you really want to do it, there's always a way. There's always a way for you to do it. It might not be it. comfortable, but there's always a way. Exactly. You might have to break your comfort zone to actually make it happen, but there is always a way for sure. That's cool. That's cool. And then, you know, you're known for piano around the world, and now you're here in New York, and you're, like, leasing out a space, and, you, it, like, I'm, I haven't known you for a while, but, like, I'm proud of you. <laughs> like, you. this is so cool. It's cool this to see been, the glow honestly, up, this man. has been, like, a <laughs> huge... It's been really difficult to do this. Like yeah. a lot of people don't might not realize what goes into an event or what goes into all of this. I mean, there's lights, there's sound, making sure the sound like we're doing the testing the levels, moving the furniture. There's a lot to do, and you need a team to make it happen. And um, in the beginning, when I was running this space, I was doing it all by myself, just with like me and like one other person, and it was just ridiculous and crazy to do. But uh, things are getting really interesting, especially in this area. As we all yeah, know. Yeah, with like 368. I know. Like, what's going on with that? 368. <laughs> Ooh. 368. Three, this is 393. Three, so three. we won't talk about 368. <laughs> I know, um, right? No, that's exciting, though. So, and yeah. it's so cool um, for just you guys to be here. So, thank you. Um, so, let's talk about New York. Willie, how did you get here and how did you start Faithbox? Like, what was the, like, just how? Because you're very successful. So, yeah. Well, thank how did thanks. New York play a part in that? Yeah, uh, that's a gr- that's a good question. I like that one. Uh, hold on, let me put my hint water. Hint down. water. Mm, that was so good. So I bounced I bounced around a lot. So I, I grew up in Virginia. I I went to school in Alabama of all places. Went to uh, Fort Lauderdale, Miami, Seattle. I was at Amazon for a while, uh, and then New York. So I actually I was working at Amazon in Seattle, and all my family is on the East Coast. And I'd always had this dream, like I'm gonna live in New York. I'm gonna live in New York. And one day I was just like, if I don't do it now, when am I going to do it? So I, I literally went and kind of had that conversation with, with, my, with my bosses. And I was like, hey, I, if you want me to stay on the team, like, I need to do it in New York. And uh, it, it worked out well enough. They, they kept me. I moved over here. Um, I went to, I've always kind of been in the tech world in some sort of way. And I was at a, a dinner and uh, ended up meeting Phil Toronto, who was on Gary's team, uh, who actually won a contest to be Gary's assistant kind of back in the thing. Uh, anyway, so met him, and uh, he knew I was kind of in a transitional period, and he was like, hey, you should meet uh, this guy, Gary Vaynerchuk, and see if you know there's anything going on. So um, I, I, I really didn't know Gary that well at that point. And uh, so I went, I, I sat in the, the old fishbowl. Gary came in, being very much Gary, and uh, he was like, look, I've, uh, I started a company with my brother, it was successful, I've, I've done it with my best friend, and I want to do it with someone I don't know. Like, are you, what are your thoughts? And I was like, Yes, let's let's yeah. do that. And uh, so, had a couple of brainstorming meetings. Ended up kicking off uh, a subscription box company called Faithbox, uh, 2014. Um, and you know, starting a company anywhere is really tough. Uh, starting a company in New York or doing anything in New York, right? There's pros and cons, but there's an energy in the city that you don't get anywhere else that really pushes you. But there's things like cost of living and cost of living and (laughs) (laughs) that are also really taxes taxes yeah happy Um, april everyone (laughs) that are also really prohibitive so um you know i think at the end of the day i wouldn't want to be anywhere else and again it was always kind of a dream to live here and to launch something here um thankfully i got that chance but uh wasn't without a lot of you know the if you're an entrepreneur whether you're a creator or you're launching a business there's so many ups and downs that you go through. So, uh, yeah, it's a good journey. Totally, totally, yeah. And I think it's no matter where you are is finding that creative community that might be the hardest. 
you know, you do YouTube, you do video, but your friends still think you're dorky. Hopefully we're past that, because when I was pointing a camera at my face three years ago, everyone was like, what are you doing, you know? But hopefully it's cool now. I don't, is it cool? Do you guys, is it still a shy thing? In this room, it's, it's cool, cool here, <laughs> right, right? Um, so let's like talk about that, because I think one of the things that I went through was um, kind of like, okay, I love taking video, I love capturing moments, but a lot of it was pointing the camera at other people, and that was my comfort zone. And I still love doing that, crafting a story behind the camera and having it not involving me, but it's YouTube. So, you know, put your face in front of the camera. Um, and that was uncomfortable in the beginning, but I have gotten better at it, you know? Um, so what are some things in your career or maybe something you're trying right now that makes you so uncomfortable, but there was something great on the other side of that? I, I think, you know, pointing a camera at yourself, it's a very, it's not a very natural, I guess it is natural now, but it's like, I, I also have that problems like uh, of you know I'm looking at myself and talking to myself or whatever we're talking to the audience really mm -hmm. uh, but I mean I guess uh, uh, the challenge for me is really just because uh, I'm a performer I perform on the streets um, I'm literally on the streets and I, I found myself at times um, uh, completely embarrassing myself in front of public uh, but I, I look back now and I realize these experiences of embarrassing myself ended up being so uh, so empowering for me to the point where um, I, I like look for these moments because I know that either way, if you know, if I embarrass myself, I'm still going to come out. Uh, no, so the lesson that it taught me is that um, it's taught me to not give a crap as much of what people think anymore. And so constantly being on the streets and embarrassing myself and kind of making a fool—not making a fool of myself—but performing in public has taught me not to care as much about what people think, and it's empowering that way. What you've done is scarier than pointing a camera at yourself. I mean, this dude will literally be out on Broadway like with no one else and just start playing a piano, and hopefully a crowd will form, you know? Um, which is, yeah, is bold, which is so cool, though. It's fun. But yeah, 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 yeah. It, it's fun, because the, the piano is like this icebreaker. So like I'm playing piano on the streets with the city sounds and all that, and people just instantly gravitate, like, what are you doing, what is this? And uh, because of that, I get to meet so many people, and, and in the end, that's like, that's not really the money, because I'm not really making much money on the streets, but uh, it's the people that I've met that like have been driving me, because I, I can't wait to see where I'm going to end up next, or what party, or what event I'm going to be, end, I'm going to end up at. You have to be relationally driven, too, because I think, you know, as creators, there's always that, how am I going to make money off of this? What's the next step? Um, but I think shifting your mindset to, like, how can I create opportunities to meet the people, be in the right rooms with the people who do have opportunities and ways to make money off of your living? But sometimes when you're so dollar-focused, sometimes you'll miss key opportunities that can be the dollar outcome. Yeah, absolutely. You know? the relationships, mm -hmm. people. I mean, yeah. In this city, particularly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, what about you, Willie? Well, I think what you just said is so key. It's, it's about doing the work on the back end so that you're in the right places. People are, I get the question, how did you meet Gary? I'm sure you get this a lot, too. And I didn't reach out to him. I, I, put my, I did the work beforehand, so I was in a place where it just happened, right? And I think that's kind of the beauty of it, and that's the beauty of New York. If you put in the work, or wherever you are, honestly, like those opportunities are much more likely to happen. Uh, what was the other? Um, question? So the question <laughs> was, what is something that you did that was terribly uncomfortable oh, yeah. that something great was on the other side? Uh, I guess starting starting a company was pretty uncomfortable. Um, starting a vlog while I was doing that company was really uncomfortable, um, especially because you know you you're, you have to be willing to kind of look like an idiot for a long time. 
um, which is awkward when you're trying to also manage and lead people. Um, but I think it's, it's opened up so many doors. I mean, I ended up meeting um, one of my new business partners through that. I've met my wife kind of through that. So I, I met a lot of people a lot in that journey, but it was super uncomfortable. But in life, I mean, that's when the biggest opportunities always come up, right? The more you can seek out those uncomfortable opportunities, mm -hmm. the more likely you are to, to find greatness. So. Yeah, that's good. What about you, India? When you were making, so she makes these really cool signs with very, like, I don't want to say, how, how do you describe, like, what you write on the sign, or, like, what those signs say? Um, like, they're really personal. That's yeah. actually kind of what I was going to talk about yeah. was that I, so I make banners that say sentences that I've written, and I really only have, like, one shot to make an impact with them because they're literally just, like, one or two sentences. So I spent a lot of time, like, rewriting the same sentence over and over with different words. Um, and they're really personal thoughts to me. They're usually something I think about on the subway or, like, when I'm in the shower and I get out and, like, run and write it down, and I rework it a lot. So um, putting those out on the internet, especially when I have a following that's growing, is so intimidating because they're very personal thoughts to me. Um, and I think the coolest part was just seeing how so many people relate to them. So many people message me saying how impactful they are. They'll say, like, I think about it sometimes, and it's comforting to me, which is so incredibly special to hear. Um, I'm also like a really, as you know, Sarah, really uh, unabashed, unapologetic feminist. So a lot of my work has a lot of those tones in it. And putting that out on the internet as a woman is like, like um, makes you a target. Absolutely almost. terrifying. Yeah. I actually don't put my work on Twitter because it's like the most terrifying place to me right now. Instagram, I've created a community where people are really kind and nice, and I'm so grateful for that but people still find their way in. And that, you know, I think putting the work out there and saying those things and making people think about it is way better. And I can totally handle like the abuse that I get in my DMs because it's worth it for me to like say those things out loud and have people like think about it. Um, so it's worth it, but it's really hard, you know, because I'm definitely people are like, don't read the comments. I'm like, I'm reading all the comments, <laughs> like every single one and I'm taking them to heart. So it's, it's intimidating definitely, but worth it. Yeah. 100%. So why this is special is because we have you guys out in the audience. So who wants to ask questions? So I'm going to come down here. And so we have Dotan, street performer, person who manages a, a sick, you know, area. <laughs> Willie, the entrepreneur. India, the artist. Um, so who wants to ask a question? We got Nick over here. I got a question for Dotan. <laughs> How did you decide to just, like, steer away from the normal path of, like, getting a job or climbing a corporate ladder to just say, screw it, I'm going to go take a piano around the world and make videos, and then we'll just see what happens. I, I did it by actually getting a real job. I, I had a uh, real job. Um, I was in commercial real estate, 2010. I got, a, in, I got my real estate license, and I was in commercial real estate for about four months, and I sat at a desk, and I showed people properties and uh, ultimately, was just really un, not passionate about it and didn't really care about it. Um, and again, working towards other people's dreams and goals. And at 23, when you're when you really like don't really know what to do with your life, it's it, I'm sure a lot of you have experienced this. Right? It could be very frustrating because um, you obviously we're all very not we're all but we all get impatient. You know, we want it now. We want to have success now. Um, but nothing comes from. I mean, you have to work hard to get it. But I got to that. I got to that point where I was just frustrated, and I, I wanted to do something really, really extraordinary. And I wanted to learn. And I wanted to explore. I, I love this analogy of like look at a look at a child, like a, a three year old, and 
Um, look at the, the curiosity it has. Every, every morning it wakes up and it's just ready to explore and soak up. And I want to I embrace that every day in my life. Even now, as a, as, at 31, I want to find a way to keep that exploration and keep that passion for, for life and exploration. And I will say, I think it takes something doing that you absolutely hate to really fall into what you love. Like, when I was doing three years of electrical engineering and computer science, I wanted to just, like, kill myself every single day. And it was the worst thing ever, but I was like, okay, this is my path right now, so I'm just going to, like, stick it out. But what can I do on the side that makes me happy? And that was video. And I didn't dip until I saw an actual, you know, there's risk involved, but I was like, okay, I'm to a point. I've been working at this. I can just go for it. So it's kind of wavering that line of um, when it's risky, but you also have the confidence of like, okay, I can do this, you know? Another question. Um, so you spoke about uh, like overcoming barriers and things that make you feel uncomfortable. But one of, one of my biggest things is being really social, even though I'm on a microphone right now speaking to everybody. <laughs> You're but doing it. one of the big things for me is being social, getting out to the things, and being able to be in the right place, right time, meet the right people. So how do you overcome that, that barrier of, uh, can I be social today? What do I say? What? Like, I know you had the icebreaker of a piano, but like when you don't have the icebreaker, what do you do? Willie, what do you think? What do you do? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, I think that's, it's, it's personal. I think and it, it depends on who you are and, and what things put you at ease. And I think it's trying to balance those, right? Like you want to push yourself past that point, past your comfort zone. But you don't want to do it to the point where it's detrimental to you, where you're going to start like getting down on yourself for like, you know, I went out to be social and I didn't meet as many people as I thought I wanted to, or I felt real awkward. And like, so, you know, I think one thing is, is just figure, figuring out what those coping mechanisms are with you. F figure out what, is, what are the things that you love that you can balance that with so that it doesn't seem so daunting. And then just, you know, break it down into really small, achievable goals instead of thinking like, oh, I got to go out and meet everyone. Like, I'm, I'm pre fairly introverted like day to day. Um, for me, like vlogging and stuff was actually really helpful for that because I could talk mm -hmm. to the camera instead of, you know, and it helped me feel comfortable, you know, in, in social situations a little bit more. Um, and then I just kind of balanced that out with sleeping and uh, reading. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's just me. But I think for you, I think figuring out what those things are that, that you like and then just breaking, breaking down the, um, the barriers to, to really micro things that are easy to digest. In India, the you know, crew that you run with are people who call themselves artists. You know, they're making dope art, whether it's art on a t-shirt, but in, in the physical space. And what are some things that you guys have done, whether it's pop-up shops, um, you know, just to have that community? Yeah, so, I mean, I agree with Willie that, like, pushing yourself to do something you don't want to do is the best way to feel terrible about yourself. And I think <laughs> especially, like, today we are living in a time when everybody's like out it looks like everybody's out doing something all the time but like they're not like they probably took that photo a week ago yeah. and they're actually home so I feel like we think that everyone's like out meeting a bunch of people but we actually all know the same amount of people it's just like I, for me it's been about being really deliberate with the relationships that I choose to cultivate and like the older you get the less time you have and it's just about being really specific about who you're friends with and who you want to be friends with. And that doesn't mean like, oh, if this person like isn't successful, like don't be friends with them. It's just like when you spend time with them, how do you feel? Are you fulfilled? Are you happy? Like, do you feel like you got something done? Like, even if they're not, you know, someone you can collaborate with or like grow your audience with, like, do you, did you still have like a valuable time being with them? And that's been really important to me, especially in the artistic community. Mainly I met everyone in New York through Instagram. Like, 
everyone that I'm really close with here who makes the same kind of art as me and who shares the same values I met through Instagram and actually through like an Instagram DM thread that I got added to that was like Amazing. art girls. Yeah. <laughs> Um, which is so awesome. So what Instagram DM thread do you need to start today? <laughs> yeah, or like even with people you already know and like I think we'd forget to kind of think about who's already around us sometimes and you know maybe you already have and that's amazing but I think everyone kind of forgets to think like who's in front of them right now and uh, who can you you know talk to today that will make you feel like you had a really productive amazing day. Amazing. Next question. Cool, thanks, Sarah. Um, this is for anyone. Um, I think a lot of us here are aspiring to be in your positions that you are now, and I know it took a lot of hard work, and I think what a lot of us struggle with is really the patience part, like you mentioned, Otan. So, like, can you guys give us, like, a, a story or an example of how, like, you were in it, you were, like, in, in, in the trenches, and then, like, just how patience paid off for you and, like, what that looks like now? Uh, Gary V. Patience talk. Let's do it. <laughs> Patience, patience, patience. I'm <laughs> obligated to say that I'm here on behalf of myself and not VaynerMedia. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, India India is kind of like no, the it's butt fine. of all of our Gary Vayner Chuck jokes. I've um, lived it. Yeah, I mean, that's her life, so I'm sorry, I'm sorry. No, no, She's no, here you're as fine, the you're artist, fine. India, no, I but mean, you also do provide that unique perspective. But anyways, patience. That well, I mean, I again. do have a... I, will, I can probably tell this story. Being in the trenches, like... I worked at Vayner, I've worked at Vayner for five and a half years now, and I didn't speak to Gary until I'd worked there for two years, and I didn't join his team until three years in. And the first two years at VaynerMedia, I have a friend here who's worked at Vayner for a long time as well. When I first started VaynerMedia, community manager was like the thing we offered as our big, it was like our offering. We would manage people's channels, brands' channels for them. We'd reply to like every single tweet. I was like, the person behind the Tropicana Twitter account replying to people. Revealed. Um, and this is like, wow. it was like, yeah, that was me. Sorry. <laughs> um, but it was, it was a really hard job. Like, we, uh, this was when Facebook was like a huge deal. Okay, we used to get like 500 comments on one post, people just being like, I love Tropicana, and we had to respond. Seriously, I'm not getting, we had to respond to every single comment like as quickly as possible. So I did that for like a year and a half at Vayner, just, working and working and working and was like super diligent in that. It was my first like real job out of college. So I took it super seriously and Gary noticed that and brought me on to work on his book, Jab, 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 Right Hook. And I got to do all the case studies for like the Tumblr part of that book, which oh is also gosh. so outdated. Yeah, it's so crazy. Yeah. Um, but it was like, I literally just replied to people talking about orange juice for like a year and a half. And that got me, I'm serious. like. Like, just keeping my head down and working really, really hard, like you were talking about, like, just doing that work and putting it in and making sure that you're not, you know, asking for stuff right away. Like, it's never going to be that like that. So that's kind of how I got into his, like, circle and got to work with him so closely for so long. And I definitely wouldn't, you know, give up anything for that, even if it meant I didn't have to talk, like, I hope you have a sunshiny day. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. Any patience stories, Willie? Yeah, so I think uh, one thing when it comes to, to putting in the work and, and trying to get that reward, whatever it is, or figure out what that goal is, I think you have to be really conscious of keeping your eyes out all along the way and figuring out, making sure that that goal that you're going for is still, is the same goal the whole time. Uh, I can say, you know, with, with my company, which like most companies aren't going to sell for like millions of dollars, like I'm not retiring, I'm still like in the trenches every day. Um, and so, you know, Along the way, I had like my goal. I was like, I want to build this up. I want to sell it, whatever. But then 
you know, now looking back on it, the things, the really valuable things that have, have probably the bigger, biggest things in my life were things that happened along the way that I didn't really recognize as huge wins until after the fact. And so now I try to be really conscious of looking out for, like, what are those wins along the way? Because they'll pop up during the journey, and you can miss them, and, and then there's no, no chance to go back and, and, and take advantage of them. But, um, yeah, don't lose sight along the way. Don't, don't be so singularly focused on one thing that you miss everything that happens along the way. And I also think it's important to give your all with whatever you're doing along the way. Because when I was a computer science major, I hated it, but I was still like, okay, this is still a possibility. Like, you know, oh, they make six-figure salaries, and I get to tell, like, my family when I go back for Christmas that I'm doing computer science. Like, I'm a fancy person. <laughs> um, but when I was doing that, I was doing it, like, hardcore. Um, and looking back, there's so many things that I learned from that that wouldn't have applied if I was just kind of, like, if I didn't care. I mean, my last semester of college, that's another story, I barely even went. Um, but there were, there were moments where I remember just having this like, am I a superhero moment when I was in Premiere editing something and the, like a problem came up and I was like, hmm, this isn't working, but what if I do this? And I'm like, this is my computer science problem solving mind doing this, like, psh, it's crazy. Um, so I think I, I learned a lot of good like problem solving from that. Um, so wherever you are, just give it your all, but then like, have that side hustle from 6 p.m. to 2 a.m., you know? Um, yeah, what about you, Jotan? I think he answered it really well. Yeah? Uh, but I, I, I see it as like, uh, you know, you're building a house. You're brick by brick, one brick at a time. You can't, like you said, you can't look at the, this so hyper-focused on one instant. You have to look at the, the long term and uh, adjust as you go and, and be super, super organized. And um, Actually, I want, one point I want to touch on is... Uh, like one thing I learned from Casey um, is that I think he's like a, a genius at organization, and it's something as a as a creative really? that I yeah. Or, well, yeah, I mean, okay. like look, I, you look at his like studio, the oh, way he's yeah, like yeah, super yeah. hyper yeah. Uh, yes. organized. He has everything in place when he needs it. Yeah, yeah, it's like, and I think that's part of his success is that he's he's been very methodical and very organized about the way he does things, and I think it's something that a lot of creatives struggle with in particular is is being organized with things and. Um, if you can plan and be organized and, and kind of see the, the long haul, the, the plan, uh, and be super, super organized, just like you said, like with your relationships as well, be super specific about where you want that energy uh, to be spent. Um, it's actually something I struggled with a lot because I spent a lot of time spending my energy like pushing this piano. And like, it's not my passion to push the piano. I just want to play. And I, I cut six years later, like doing, after doing this, I, I get to this point, I'm like, I'm tired. I'm like, I don't really want to push this piano anymore. I, I just want to like play and connect. And uh, so it's actually, that, that, that's what like rings true with me. Yeah. One more question for these guys and then we're going to bring up John Hill, Brett Conti, and Chris Hall. Um, you. What's your name? <laughs> my name's Coy White. And I actually, my question sort of stems off what you said with your computer science degree going into Premiere. Um, but I thought of it when you mentioned acquiring the space and then your background for a short period in commercial real estate. What are some like seemingly dead-end endeavors that you guys have all had that have randomly come up and been really helpful down the road that you like wouldn't necessarily have given up, even if the experience itself was like originally miserable? It's a good question. Yeah, it's really good. I'm, I'm like finally going through my files. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I, what's crazy is that I think I, when I was in my early 20s out of college, I, I tried so many different things, and um, I actually was doing a little bit of events. I, I uh, 
I started an eBay store. I got into commercial real estate. I was working at a restaurant, I remember. I just jumped around from job to job, and um, I, I think the good thing about what I was doing was that I, if, I, if I just didn't feel right, like I was really following my intuition. If it didn't feel right, I would, I would leave it immediately. Like I worked at a restaurant for like three days, and I was like, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> this, is not, this is definitely not what I want to do. It's, I don't really care about this. I don't care about these people. Uh, not these people, but the, <laughs> the people that I was working for. And um, yeah, so I jumped around, jumped around from job to job. Uh, and so I came up with this crazy piano thing, and, and yeah, and now here we are. Here we are. Yeah, so I, I love that, because I feel like I jumped around a lot when I was younger, too, and it was like, I say it was like the follies of youth, but like, did a lot of really cool stuff. We had like the first app in the, the iOS app store where you could like sign contracts with your fingers. Like, who knew that would, a whole business would come around that. Um, but it was like, it was just fun to make stuff, but I was never s committed to things enough or, or, f or Oh, man. Oh. Um, man. Wow. <laughs> that was awful. <laughs> <laughs> Brought to you by Hint. Yeah, Go right. ahead. But I, I don't think I was ever committed or focused enough on one thing to, to get it to, gr to greatness. Um, and so, you know, over the last couple of years, I was—I really made a focus to, to commit to things a lot more, um, and that's made so much of a difference um, with everything I've done. So, for me, I think it started when I was younger. And guys, get it together! <laughs> Just kidding. I'm sorry. That seemed harsh. I'm a nice person. <laughs> um, so it started young, and I think if you are in high school college, you have time. Uh, when you start having kids and a family, that's like when you have to juggle more things. And so for me, it was really like when I was into basketball, that was my entire life and I gave it my all. So I figured out if that was going to be my everything way quicker because it was my everything. Um, and so I was like hardcore with basketball and I was like, mm, this is kind of terrible. Then I moved on to guitar and music and I gave it my all and it was fun, but there was always that thing on the side. And um, I think the trick is also when you find something that you love and, you know, I kind of landed on video, like, okay, I love this, this is my passion, um, but it's also my job, so sometimes it can get kind of not as fun as it used to be, so it's also figuring out a way to make what once was your escape, like your full-time escape. Um, and so for me, that's just like keeping things exciting, like starting a podcast, uh, something that is new, but it's still in my realm, so it's fresh. Yeah, always adding new things, trying new things. Um, I guess that kind of, I grew up in a really artistic family. I was really lucky because like growing up, I thought people could just like grow up to be artists, which is not like possible actually. No, I mean, I'm kind of doing it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I tried like, I did ballet, I played violin, I played piano, like I did it all. Um, and then when I like dropped everything to do photography, like my parents tease me mercilessly because they're musicians. So they were like, oh, India's in the static arts now. Like she's not a performance artist <laughs> like us. Um, and so I, but I think like having all those different creative experiences really in informs everything I do now because when I work with other creatives, I have this like insane respect for everything that they do and I understand how much work goes into it. Like video, I can't even, like when I see like the whole editing like laid out together in like Final Cut or Adobe Premiere, I'm like, oh my God, never. Like that looks so insane. So I think just 
like not staying in your lane and exploring other types of creative processes is so important because it just gives you a lot of respect for other people you're going to inevitably be working with when you're encountering other creatives. You really want to expand your horizons like that and be with different people, like be with someone who plays piano, be with someone who started a company, like those are all creative things. Um, so that's been really important to me. And the only other thing I thought of was that when I first moved to New York, I worked in American Apparel for like yes, no money. RIP American Apparel. Yeah, and I was like, oh, I worked with clothes and now I have a clothing line. Wow. Like go. that was such a bad answer to your question. Well, hey, when you when you do pop up shops, you probably know how to fold properly. I know how to fold. Yep. Yeah, that's something that I encountered yesterday. Yes. I was trying to fold John's shirts. And should, so if you got a like a shirt that was folded terribly it was folded by me it's hard it's it's a hard and life so tedious here. yeah so up next we have brett john and chris hall but before that where can people find you on the social so everyone get their phone out <laughs> you don't and have to do that follow these people heartbread where can they find you i'm at heartbread everywhere that's your heart and like a piece of bread it's we love it we love both of two yeah. words that sound good together yeah <laughs> Uh, you can find me at More Willie, M O R E W I L I E, everywhere. More Willie. More. I'm still on heartbreak right here. <laughs> Are you not following <laughs> India? I just met her today. No well, way. I, mean, you don't have to, I don't have to meet okay. her to follow her. Okay. What about you? Uh, I'm piano around on everything. Woo! Thanks. Woo. Okay, well, everyone give a round of applause for these people. <laughs> so we are here with John Hill, Brett Conti, and Chris Hall. And something, woo! Yes. And why I put you guys together is because you have a common thread of clothing. <laughs> okay. Anyways, we'll, we'll get to that. I'm sorry for that. I just thought of that, and when it was going through my brain, I was like, oh, this is going to be a grand slam. Let's talk about a little bit of background. What do you guys do? We'll start with Chris Hall, and then we'll get into some questions. Right, sure. Uh, my name is Chris Hall. What's up? I'm an entrepreneur born in New York City, living here now. I'm 24 years old. Um, started a company called Kickster. It's a sneaker and fashion app on the App Store with over 500,000 downloads. Then I started doing Snapchat filters for DJ Khaled for two years. Uh, got like 250 million views, and it was secretly an advertisement for our, whole com our company the whole time. Um, and then... Uh, <laughs> and then also I'm working on a website where you can make your own fashion brand in five minutes from beginning to end. Uh, no inventory, no point of sale, no money up front or anything like that. Um, and also uh, very lucky to work along with these guys on some projects. Some, some like this and some secret that are coming out New soon. New peachy so. merch. I don't want to say it, but oh, we'll it's say all you. It. Like, I'm acting like I release peachy merch all the time. It'll be the second drop, but I'm doing it with Chris. So it's, <laughs> it's fun to work with like homies. So that'll sure. be good. Brett. What's up, guys? How are you doing? T sorry, today I, ha I forgot to eat lunch. All I've had was coffee and Cliff Bar, so sorry if I'm a little jittery. But I am a professional Brett, and that's kind of a joke, but when I was a little kid, my parents used to ask me what I wanted to be. I say, I want to be a professional Brett. And now with the internet and, you know, I have a clothing company and a YouTube channel that is... What's your clothing company? Fortune. So... Fortune New York is the clothing. We also have Fortune Skateboards, which is the same brand, so make skateboards, socks, jackets, t-shirts, all the stuff that you guys saw earlier. Uh, and then from that, I started a YouTube channel and have been doing that as, as you'd say, a second career and have been working with brands, some, some really cool ones like Hint Water. And yeah, I've been having a lot of fun just being a content creator and professional brands. Jonathan Hill. 
Hello, my name is John Hill. I am a YouTuber. I, uh, I think first and foremost, I'm a, I'm a professional skateboarder, um, and that's what I like to do more than anything else. I like it more than breathing and eating. Um, and then I also started a brand as well, Progress Daily. It was basically just this like mantra I had for my entire life of being like, you got this, move forward. And I would just say Progress Daily all the time, write it down everywhere. I was like, oh, that'd be cool for a brand name. So that became that. And then, yeah, I would say skateboarding is the stronghold. YouTube is cool. I work with brands as well. And there's just a thousand other facets that come along with doing anything that gets any exposure. You, you know, you get to work with brands and do fun things and travel and all that stuff. So all that incorporated, but mainly skating. Skating, skating. Um, so let's talk about clothes real quick because that's a common theme of today. You know, it's a pop-up shop. We have some sick clothes around here. Um, and I, I think in this crowd, you know, we have people who want to be content creators, but there's also this movement happening right now, I think, where people, like, screw H&M. I want to wear, like, some Progress Daily. Like, I want to rep the people who I vibe with and who I connect creatively with. And so this thing comes, are you, did you just spill water on yourself? No, he, the hint guy took a shot at me drinking the hint. <laughs> <laughs> this is Nick Sharma, guys, who does hint, yeah. Um, anyways, so, you know, some of you guys out there are like, oh, clothes. Well, how, what is clothes? How do you do the clothes thing? How do you do the streetwear thing? Um, because especially in New York City, that's such a huge thing. You've got Supreme, you've got... Uh, palace and yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there's so much stuff. So, for all of those people out there who maybe want to make some clothes, I mean, what was everyone's process? Let's start with Brett. Yes. Yeah, so I'm a huge skateboarder as well, and I was pursuing that when I was in college, and my dream was to be a professional skateboarder too. I was just was obsessed with it, but I got hurt, and when I was hurt, I wanted to do something productive with my time. So I was like, oh, I know how to sew. My grandfather has a textile company. I'm gonna like start a little brand and just have fun with it. Started making pocket t-shirts in my dorm room. Started making full-on button-ups from scratch with fabric I would find in my dorm room, just selling it to friends, small skate shops. And then once I graduated, I was like, I'm gonna do this full-time. I went to FIT, which is a big fashion school here. I Learned didn't even know that. Yeah. You went to FIT? Oh, yeah. I went to FIT. Sorry, I haven't eaten either. <laughs> Uh, and then after FIT, I was like, okay, uh, I'm gonna like keep doing this. And after a few months, it like turned into where I could sustain and live off of it, which I've been very fortunate about. And it's in over a hundred stores now. It's in like all the Zoomies and some stores overseas which and is huge. smaller it's stores. Um, and then that evolved into last year. I partnered up with one of the biggest skateboarders in the world, Manny Santiago, X Games gold medalist, and we launched Fortune Skateboards together. Uh, and that's been huge. So it's crazy to see how it started on my dorm room to now, like, where it's at now, where I'm like, this is crazy. Yeah, congrats. That's amazing. Oh, thank you. John, how did your Progress Daily clothes start? So it, it began with just kind of like a, like a border logo or whatever. But how right, yeah. were you, like, physically pressing those? Or who did you start this thing with? Or so, how? No, actually, originally I, w I had a little bit of experience in... in graphic design. I designed baby clothes, which is really strange. Baby and I, onesies. Baby onesies. And I did that for a really long time. I designed like 500 different ones. So I had some experience with design. And then I was like, and I basically created. India loves that. So basically, if you are an aunt or a mom. Call me. Yeah. Call him. For more reasons than one. Am I right? Uh, excuse me. Oh, 
Um, but also, they might own one because uh, what's it called? I, I, I'm doing a plug for your Etsy shop. I, it has like four different names because we've had the website taken down like ten times, and we just just what's it called? It's uh, Urban Skies Boutique. Okay, there you go. Anyways, look up Urban Skies um, Boutique. And then I, I created a website and I wanted to create like this clothing line. And as soon as that happened, I started YouTube and I put it to the side. So actually when I started for my first line of Progress Daily shirts, it was the four designs that I had built for or a year before that. So I just put it out. And uh, for me, it was always like the message to get out there to people like me who were like me a year before that. So when I was struggling and trying and Basically, everybody goes through that situation where they're like, if they try to pursue something creative, you're probably going to deal with this this hard time. Um, and Progress Daily was like the mantra I used to get through that to a place in my life where I was much happier. And I was like, oh, I want this to be a message that people can relate to and rely on. And then I, I said it a lot, but I was like, oh, I'll have merch as well because I think it's just fitting. And it's something that I can wear and be like, oh, cool. Like, I can just look down and be like, yeah. Keep going. Don't stop. Work. And, um, and now you have to speak Korean to understand that. Exactly. Now nobody around me can progress read it. Daily. But it says okay. progress daily in Korean. So how did you get to this level? I mean, in the beginning, it was the words progress daily. But now it's well, literally me, like really cool designs. Well, right. I, I had a few things that sort of sustained me in life. So I felt zero pressure to create anything that anyone liked at all. So everything I made was fully just me. Some of it was me trolling. And some of it was me just trying to be outlandish intentionally. And this one was like a very personal meaning, which a lot of them are. And for me, it's usually trying to rely a very dark, uh, deep message with something fun and silly. So like every one of my shirts, as ridiculous, if you look at them and you're like, oh, that's, that's silly and funny, usually the message is very, very dark. Um, and I don't know, I, just, I think it's more fun to express that way. So I use clothes to sort of express that artistic Necessityism. Mm. Mm, good word. Chris, so talk to the details of the clothes process. So you are in the works with something. I'm not going to say the name. Is that? Not yet. Don't, okay. Okay. Don't say the name. Um, but in terms where it gives people the ability to really just make a streetwear brand in yeah. a short amount of time. But I want first legitimately go into the details of making clothes because. Oh, it's a nightmare. It's still a nightmare. It's, it's a complete nightmare. It's like, it's like, <sighs> where do I even start? I, I mean, dude, just I mean, it's, start so from the concept. Let's where say, do you go? let's say you want to make a really simple shirt with like two colors on the front and one on the back. Something like you guys, these guys make like a graphic tee with, you know, like uh, with 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 graphic art. Um, you know, you need if you're doing screen print, you know, you need screens. So those. There's a lot of elements, but first of all, you're going to pay a lot just to make a sample. So you need, you know, two sam two screens for the front to do the two colors and one for the back. So that's ninety dollars, and then it's going to be another fifty dollars for the t-shirt. So you're paying hundred and fifty dollars to get your first sample. And right there, that basically crushes uh, most people right there. Um, but if you can get past that, then you're dealing with inventory, point of sale, website, payment, distribution, shipping. Then you're a business, so now you have to file like taxes and employees, and uh, basically you need to be an entrepreneur now, and that's and that's kind of what I don't like about it because because you know it, it's it's similar to music for me. Like I love music, but I hate the music business. I love fashion, but I hate the fashion business. And and I mean I have friends who who as well like uh, besides these guys um, who make clothes for like celebrities like the Migos and Cardi B's merch and stuff like that. And it just gets worse because now you're dealing with China and you're dealing with celebrities and it's just the whole mess. Um, but in, but the, really the problem is that 
Um, you know, I could, I, I get messages all the time, I'm sure you guys do too, like how do I make a t-shirt? And of course we could like give them the email to our factory, but it's Or you a, can go to teespring.com, but yeah. you want something legit, you want something yeah. that's yours, right? Yeah, so even if, even if we help them out doing it the legitimate way, they're going to be stuck there as well. So what we're working on now, um, and we're launching it publicly soon, is, um, is, is basically we take the whole infrastructure of the whole fashion process and just slam it down so it's not even an issue. And you just come with the graphics and you come out with your own fashion brand. So there's, there's just a lot of steps and I'm sure these guys can, elab can elaborate on it too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so YouTube close um, New York questions that you guys have to ask these dudes. Okay. Um, hi. Um, What's up? <laughs> hi, John. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I'm, okay, I'm a 16 year old girl, right? I just literally started my own brand as of Thursday. I got everything's trademark. Um, <laughs> and basically I just want to know like, what is some advice you guys have for me to like look out for in the future while, you know, like proceeding with this process? Tell us a little bit about your brand. Okay, so it's called Thread Uncut. Um, basically I make pants, like the ones I'm wearing right now. Um, <laughs> Up on the stage real quick, because I need, we need to see this. Okay, so, uh, I'm kind of like a, a, like a, a punk head almost, but like skate, I made these pants, got a misfit, slayer, black flag, slow dive, I basically like just, <laughs> just like put it together, and um, basically I just like, I want to proceed with my dream of doing this, because it actually means a lot to me, like, you guys like doing this? Like, oh, I'm so nervous right now. Okay, um, 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 but um, yeah, I just want to know like what to look out for and how to like do things properly without like having trouble or being like taken advantage of in this industry. Thank you. At least like one. So you said you got the LLC, or um, we're working on it. I'm, I'm like as of right now. Okay, I would definitely recommend that. When I first started Fortune, uh, it only took about a year and a half to get my first season desist. Wow. And I didn't know what to do. I was like pretty, pretty shook. And I got something in the mail that was just like, you have you know, X amount of days to, they didn't want to shut my business down, but I was making a product that was like similar to an artist piece. So they were just like, send us back everything. And they were telling me I'd have to pay them all this money. Um, and then I consulted with a, with a lawyer and I was lucky I had like the LLC though, just so it protected me. But it was just something that, that put me in my place where I was like, wow, okay, I really need to make sure I'm legally safe so they don't come after me. Because the LLC is basically just that entity that, you know, okay, so if someone sues you, I mean, we're going like very into detail, but yeah. you know, if someone wants to sue your brand or something, they can't take away what you have as an individual, you know? Um, so that's the difference between LLC and maybe just you working as your own. You know, if it was just you, then they could be like, give us, you know, apartment, your, yeah, your house, exactly. and your car. And so it just it provides that um, yeah. protection. So just, yeah, protect yeah. yourself. And also the pants are really sick. So I'd sick. love to buy a pair. Yeah. I'll be your first customer. That's amazing, yeah. <laughs> I would say, you know, you said about like, how do you avoid hardship? It's gonna be hard. <laughs> um, you have to I, use website that he's coming out. Of. Well, yeah. Well, I will. Not, I don't think for that, those. he has to level up. Yeah. So she already graduated from. I have a graphic to. You yeah. know, I want to do cut and sew stuff, and those are dope. And clearly, you understand like trends because that's a that's a that's gonna be a huge trend, in like especially like celebrities and stuff are gonna start wearing that. Um, but uh, I would say, you know, it, basically, you know, fundamentally, there's two routes of you know becoming a successful successful fashion business: wholesale or online or both. So you know, someone like Brett, 
sells in Zoomies and stuff. So he's selling it to them. They pay him, and he also sells online. And just focus on you know whether you are, if you need to craft relationship. If you want to do wholesale, you're gonna need to you know make samples, go to shows like Agenda and stuff in Las Vegas, and and you know become become friends with with buyers. You know, buyers at Macy's, Zoomies, wherever your your goal is. If you're going to um, online, you know, you're gonna probably want to focus on building a social media following, put it on your friends, take a lot of pictures. I'd say like my biggest advice for someone, I'm I'm assuming a, f a little a few things about about you, of course. Like I have to for for this to generalize it, but um, I think you probably have some extra time right now, more than you will like in a few years. So learn how to take photos. If you don't know how to take photos, like literally. Pay, take them, put them on your friends. Say, hey, we're going to Soho, Tribeca, or Central Park today, and we're going to take photos. So put them content. on John. I could see John. Like, yeah, literally follow her and then put pants on him and then go take yeah. pictures. Because so, I could so see you walking around put Soho. Put it on your those. friends, get content, build your social following, and then try to get it on people who are influential, like John and Brett and Sarah, for example. You're right here. That's good. That's a good start. Um, but if you can show that you know this, you know musician or this artist wears it, then even the stores like Zoomies will be like, oh, maybe that, that that'll sell. So yeah, super. Cool. Here, Keep put on up. your Instagram. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Woo! Uh, another question. Never stop, too. Yeah, never stop. Pursue your passions. Nick, you already asked a question. Do you have another question? Can you scoot or maybe like scoot or yell? So when you have an idea, um, when is it okay to start talking about it if you don't have it patented or if you don't have kind of the rights to it, at what point is it okay to start talking? So when it comes to maybe you have a product or an idea, um, when's the right time to talk about it? Do you need a patent? Do you need all of your ducks in a row to start? Or should you just say YOLO and worry about that later? I think unless you're a huge target right now, you shouldn't worry about it. Because chances are there's 100 people working on the exact same thing around the world. That's the way I see it. Um, and you know, either you're going to be the best one or, or not, and that's all that matters really. I wouldn't worry about it too much. And in the words of Drake. And if it becomes a problem, that means you're too you're successful anyway. Like yeah. Him getting the season to assist means they're jealous. They want yeah. his sales, you know? So. In the words of Drake, it's not about who did it first, but who did it right. Anyone? It's really? Drake. It's a Drake lyric. <laughs> I like live by those words. Anyways. Okay, God's Jonathan, plan. let's put you on the spot. Why? Okay. Um, have you had a moment in your life, John or Britt, where Never. you, okay, you know what? <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> have you had a moment in your life where, okay, you're throwing me off now. Sorry. <laughs> where you refrain from like talking about it or sharing about it just because of the, like <coughs> if you're going into meetings making people sign NDAs, like especially important people, <laughs> it's like, dude, you're wasting their time, you know? So it's like, I know, like, I get in, like, hey, I have this great idea, Sarah. I have this great idea for an app that I want you to promote, but sign this NDA um, before I can send you the details. Like, dude, I have an inbox of 500. Like, I, I'm not going to go through that process. So what's the, the you know, good middle ground? Um, so not at all. I, I, mm -hmm. I, I have the opposite problem where I talk about things too quickly, too often. Okay. Um, and, and yeah, on my channel especially, if I have an idea, the day that I think about the idea, I talk about it on my channel. And, and then I'm, because I've thought of a thousand different business ideas and as soon as I get excited about them, I just blabber it away. Um, but it's sort of my way of not being fearful of being stuck in the bubble of keeping secrets. With me, randomly, but when we used to make skate videos, a huge thing in the skate industry is to hide all the tricks that you do until the video gets released, which can take six years. 
And by the time your video comes out, 500 other people have done all the tricks that you want to do. So I'm sort of a huge advocate of the opposite. When I have an idea, I push it out. But at the same time, it's also silly to just, like what I do is very silly to constantly push ideas out there and be like, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this. Because then people just think you're full of baloney every time you mention some new exciting idea that you come up with. So the middle ground is not to do what I do necessarily, but just, I mean, if you get excited about something, if you do something cool worth talking about, then screw it. But I guess in If you have some action to back you up. Right, if there's a legal- Scream it from the rooftop. If there's something legal that stops you from saying it, yeah, don't, yeah. don't say it. Mm-hmm. Also, YOLO. Anyone else? Another question? In the back. I love all the skaters here. Uh, hi, I have a question. If you want to start a brand, how do you promote it if you're not able to go to those big events? Because in Belgium, we don't really have those events and it's not uh, easy to go somewhere where is. Dude, so you're from Belgium? That's so cool. Are you just here visiting? Yeah, it's my first time. Oh my gosh, cool. Very cool. Okay. Welcome. So let's. That's a really good question. So you're, you're, you're in Belgium, and there aren't those opportunities to connect with people. What are some ways that um, you, know, you can utilize maybe the internet or other things to really be a part of a community and to learn? Yeah, so for me especially, I always just try and look at what I have at my fingertips. What do I have? What are my resources? For me, it was New York City. So I turned my brand from, it was at first Fortune Headwear, then I turned to Fortune NY. After I changed it to that, this was before a lot of brands started doing this, because this was like four or five years ago. So it was like this dope New York City brand, and we were doing a lot of business in Japan, just because New York City brands do super well out there, and we were doing really well in Europe and other stuff like that. Um, so I think, so maybe it's not your city that works for you, but just find that one thing that can help your brand and makes you guys different than all the others. So whether it's the internet, maybe you start a YouTube channel. You could be the biggest YouTuber in Belgium. I, I'm telling you, the I, I there's a lot of dude skate YouTubers. Where are the lady skater YouTubers? We got Rochelle um, starting up. We got Rochelle. Rochelle's Rochelle. really sick. Is she here by the way? Or I don't know. Okay, don't um, know. but you know, it's it's one of those things where like you being a girl is almost like a niche. Um, for me, in tech and creativity, um, there wasn't a lot of girls talk like caring about cameras or that, and so it's kind of like using that and embracing that and seeing the ways that you can, yeah, share on the internet and you make Belgium cool. I mean, just you saying you're from Belgium, like, oh, Belgium, neat. You, you probably get that a lot, right? Mm. <laughs> um, so yeah, 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 yeah. Any, anything else to add? You should, you should use that to your advantage because like we're all wowed just by the fact that you're here. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, like, like I, and, and, I mean, you're you know you're making the clothes with someone in mind. Even it might not be you, um, but you you know you know you have an idea of who you want to wear your clothes. Find them in your city um, and start to take photos of them and establish that element of the brand, uh, and then focus on online sales. But do know that eventually, if you want to be huge, you're going to need to come to America pretty much to to make it in in fashion, in my opinion. Yeah, it's a good blunt answer. Cool. Hey. Um, thanks for asking the question. Yeah, thanks for being here. Keep Anyone else? Yes, front row, making it easy for me. I know, like, I guess from her perspective, she could be, like, the biggest YouTuber in Belgium. But here in New York, it's so super saturated when it comes to, like, being a creator and trying to get your stuff out there. Um, I guess from each one of you guys, can you guys give us, like, a tip, one tip, um, on how to stand out from the rest in, like, a huge city like New York City? I think in New York, there's still more room. 
I think it's about being confident and completely unapologetic about what you're into. I think that's it. And I think, uh, I don't know, I keep going back to like skating. Um, I'm in a lot of different worlds, but what I love, I love that the most and, I, and I'm very much proud of that. And I just sort of bring that element to everything that I do and it sort of does help me stand out, especially in the filmmaking world and in a lot of different worlds, there's not a lot of people skating. So that's why I'm unapologetic about it and I love it and I talk about it all the time. So just find the things that make you unique and go towards those as much as you can because people will appreciate it. People appreciate passion. Yes. You should put that on a shirt. Okay, Brett. Uh, that wasn't a high five, but thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> no one saw that. Are, are you guys done flirting yeah, over here? Yeah, we're done. I'm oh, sorry. Panky, panky. <laughs> <laughs> All right, back to your question. Uh, my piece of advice would be you are who you hang out with, so maybe get connected with us. Like a perfect example that just came to my head was Cody Jensen who's here. I remember seeing him start his YouTube channel like super small and now he's at like almost like 10,000 already. Just because he started getting in contact with us, he's doing a lot of videos with Sari, he's done vids with me. So I think you are who you hang out with. So if you want to be a YouTuber, find YouTubers and Offering value, collaborate. like Cody, yeah. So Cody legitimately yeah, Cody. was like, I will help you film. And like, he was very specific with it. And like for free. And I was like, yes. I need help, you know, but it wasn't like, and I checked out his stuff and I was like, cool. And it was that initial, and like we had some weird connections from Texas or whatever, but it was that initial him saying like, Hey, I will do exactly what you need for free. Like it was a very easy yes. But then once he was kind of like through the door and we're hanging out, I was like, Oh, you're a cool person too. And your wife is amazing. And then that like friendship was formed and now we're like really good friends, you know? Um, That's the strongest piece of advice you can possibly yeah. have right now is try to add value to other people's lives uh, yeah. and, and remove your ego and don't be like, oh, well, I, I deserve so much. Just like give everything to someone that you want to work with and that can help you grow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you have to, you can't cold call email people and just be super ambiguous with it. You have to be like, hey, I noticed like on, on your Twitter, maybe you could use some more memes. Here's an example of like some of the memes that I've made from your last video. I'd like to do this with you on a regular basis. I'm gonna send you five memes a week and let's do this for a few months and see where it goes, you know, so. Yeah, also I think like <clears throat> your premise of the question was that like there's, it's saturated, but I really disagree, honestly. Knowing a lot of them personally, like there's so much room because a lot of people, of course, like a lot of people show up here with a camera and stuff, but are they gonna be doing that every day in a year from now? Probably not, most of them. So if you can stick it out, you'll, you'll be, there's not that many. I mean, I can't, I really cannot name more than like 10 full-time dedicated YouTubers in New York City that, hmm. I, that I even know about. Yeah. yeah, no, I totally agree, but there's like this whole world of like fashion, beauty YouTubers that all go to FIT. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy, but they're all, they're like their own clique. Yeah. And then there's like us. Yeah, no, that's true. Uh, uh, there's the, of course others, but you know what I mean. Like, I feel it, like this is this this is kind of like the dude squad. Let's yeah. be honest. And there's that one guy who lives uh, works across the street too, Casey or something. Oh, I don't know who that is. Okay, yeah. Uh, another question? <laughs> Just kidding. He's awesome. Nice uh, merch. Nice hat. Oh, I found it like on the street or something. Yeah, uh, <laughs> not too far from here. Um, I have a question for John. I'm trying to start up my YouTube channel. 
Um, I'm doing mostly tech reviews right now, but I want to branch out into other themes. Uh, maybe do like, I sing a little, I play the guitar a little, not as good as you. Uh, um, but I was wondering if you wanted to collab with me and maybe teach a really old dude how to actually skateboard properly. What day do you want to collaborate? I think I have a dentist appointment that day, I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> yeah, 100% down, especially yeah. if you're, yeah, yeah. I mean, we've already had a conversation as well and you yeah. clearly are a man who has a lot of talents that I'm interested in. We talked earlier and he does um, what's that app that you use that's ridiculous? The um, Which one? Not After Effects, the one that does animation. That wasn't me. <laughs> Are you sure? Pretty sure. Never mind. But that guy must be really good looking. He is, yeah. <laughs> well, sorry about that. Well, anyways, yes, I'm down. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, there you go. Awesome, that's it. Well, okay, so what a right hook. Anyone have a question? Yo. Can you shout out my YouTube channel? Okay, after YouTube. this, YouTube.com slash John Hill. No more right hooks, but what's your YouTube channel? Studio Geek Low 2. Okay, okay. Studio Geek Low? No. 32. Joey Verone. J-O-E-Y-V-E-R-R-O-N-E. -E. I love this. Oh my God, that's amazing. Always on the plug. Um, no more plugs, a question. Um, this kind of goes out to all of you guys, and thank you for doing this event, but as content creators and putting yourself out there in front of the camera, on Instagram, on YouTube, you know, what's the advice to dealing with the haters and the comments and just, I know, I know the common thing to say is like seeing the motivational comments from everyone else, but other than that, like at the end of the day, it still, it still hurts just a little knowing that like people aren't like, you know, they're, they're just not there to support you, you know? I remember yeah. when I was starting to do YouTube, I wanted to take it more serious. I was so hyped when I started getting dislikes on my videos and like negative comments. Not that there was like rarely any, but like when those ones would come in, like, well, that means that people who like don't really know me, like when I was getting 100 views on yeah. a video, I was like, cool, like my videos are reaching new people. That's good. So I kind of took it as a good thing, but they're always just like trolls too. So I never took it to heart. It was just like, you know. But in terms of it hurts, it does. Um, but you always, like, I always have to, like, this is so reassuring. This is so cool because you guys filling up this room makes me so happy because it's like, oh, there's people out there who are so supportive and who are so hyped on what we're doing. Like, that exists. And you have to, maybe you get 30,000 views on a video. There's only 200 comments. And then beyond that, there's only 10 comments that are bad. And I start to think, I watch, so, like, I, I think I've commented on a Casey Neistat video maybe once, like twice in my entire life, but I owe so much of what I'm doing to him. And so I think you have to keep in the perspective that, like, comments are not everything because it's such a small fraction of your audience. And so do take it with a grain of salt, though, because it's like if you're, if you're expanding your audience and you are growing beyond what you're used to, you are gonna get hate. So you yeah. can kinda like, that's like, okay, I'm doing something right, can't take it to heart, um, but and yeah. And it's usually always, like for the most part, I never let it get to me, because it is always usually like stupid stuff. Like we're Unless we're you're a girl and you get work. rape threats though. It's, that's, I don't yeah, know about it, that. Like, okay, I'm just gonna say something. Be, if you like someone, like leave a supportive comment because it, it really <laughs> does like it really does it we read really every does comment make a difference I, I would yeah. say that for all of us that we at least go through every single yeah because my piece of advice was um maybe try to avoid looking at all the comments um it, 
I, I do usually, but I scroll down a certain amount, and then there's like this thing in YouTube where it's basically like, don't scroll any further, because down below is where YouTube, for some reason, usually push. They, they can recognize keywords that are usually hateful, so they push those comments usually farther down. Uh, so I try not to scroll past a certain <laughs> point, but also if you just like think about the psychology behind somebody who does hate, it's like usually it stems from insecurity, and you, you're stronger than that person who's hating on you, so you try to just think of him as a lesser person, I guess. Well, no, yeah. It's like if people, I, if people have time to leave hate on something, it's like what are they doing with their lives? Like feel bad for them. It's like a corny. Yeah, if you're a terrible person, like take the hint. But it's, yeah. it's, it's corny advice, but like if they hate, they're just jealous. It's it, every single time. It's like they, they hate us because they ain't us, right? Right. <laughs> right. Wow. Let's just keep doing it. <laughs> who, who cares if yeah. Rick and some without Rick and a, no profile picture, okay, no videos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come yeah, yeah. On. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, one more question. This is the last question. We got hands going up. What, okay, you've been holding up your camera the entire time, so your arm probably hurts, so let's ask a question. Hey, guys, it's a pleasure to meet all of you, by the way. You too. Um, so I just launched this print-on-demand website to kind of learn from and, like, start experimenting for, like, future projects and how to get into it. But my question was, how do you, like, properly promote a, a product that's, like, it pertains to a couple niches. Like it, it could pertain to like five or just many. Mm -hmm. So how would you properly promote that? Like would you go like one by one or like how, what would you do? My, my best advice is develop, develop deep personal relationships with the people who you want to use it, especially people who have influence. And that's like you might gloss over that, but that is everything. I mean that's Hint. That's like, Hint is a great example, like, um, like what P. Diddy does, like look at him, like he, he knows all these, all, you know, DJ Khaled and stuff, he shows up to it, their house with products and like, here you go, like, and that's what allows him to build the business, it's the same all the way down. Um, if you, like, like, if I know Sarah personally, when I pitch her something, she's gonna be way more interested if you just send her an email. You know, it's like, it, and that's, a, that's, a, that's my number one piece of advice on that. And I say start small, even if you want to appeal to uh, multiple different audiences, start with one and like do not go past that until you have like conquered one niche. I think in terms of my content when I was the most confused, when I was trying to be a daily vlogger but also make like documentary series and also do like X, Y, and Z. It, w it was so confusing to me, it was confusing to the world um, and I just kind of honed in on, okay, am I truly a daily vlogger? No, I did not like that. And so I kind of went back to my roots of um, you know, just like unboxing and comparing technology and then like, okay, what documentary series do I want to make? Let's focus, let's not do daily vlogs so I can focus on bigger projects um, at the same time of producing like the YouTube content. You should talk to this too. Um, you do not have to do daily to be successful. And do not feel that, especially in the beginning, you create what you're stoked on in the beginning. And then once you have a little bit of an audience, that's when I think consistency is more important. Um, but in the beginning, you just focus on what you love and what is good. So when the people do come, they can look at your backlog of content and be like, oh, look what he's done. This is like unique. This is cool. Yeah. And then you can focus on ramping it up. Yeah, I, I agree with her. I think focusing out of those five niches, think about the one that you can keep doing f 10 years from now, the one that you're most passionate about, the one you can relate to the most, and the one thing that you know the most about. So focus on that niche out of the five niches. Um, and then, yeah, you don't have to do every single day. For me, I 
enjoy making videos and that's why I do it every day. And a lot of people who don't enjoy making videos, they just want to tell a story or they want to like get a product across. They try to do it. Right. And you cave into yourself. You also make a boring video because you're not interested in making, right? So it's basically just like trying to really make a video that captures the audience that you're trying to get in the niche that you're actually really passionate about out of those five. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Brett? Uh, the one thing that I even try and remind myself is with anything, whether it's business or YouTube, the key to growing is knowing what your audience is and how do you reach them that way. So that was always my problem when I first started YouTube. I didn't know. I was just making vlogs about my life and then I was like, all right, I wanted to be showcasing my process of this kid living in New York City, trying to make it as you know a social media content creator who owns a skateboard and clothing company. So that's what I was like. I want people who can relate to that and want to maybe move to New York City or maybe start a business. So once I figured out my audience, that's where I really started to see it growing faster. And before, when I didn't know, it was just like mm -hmm. chicken with my head cut off. And you can do that. You might say, well, how do I do that? Um, you do that through, because it's hard. Um, you do it through creatively understanding how to give someone value. So like, you know, take like John, for example, like you look at his content and be like, oh, he makes this type of video. And then what you could do is even download his YouTube videos, re-edit them and send it to him. Imagine how crazy that'd be. Like I that's how you do it. For a job for doing that exact thing. Somebody actually did that, cut up a video, sent it to me and was like, hey, I would love to edit this kind of video for you. And then I hired him to do like, to so, yeah. So My, yeah, real real life, this is Christina over here with the camera. Um, she started off as an internet friend tweeting me and my mom. Um, Twitter is the plug. Um, yeah, and she started, she kept like DMing me like, yo, I want to edit a video, I want to edit a video, I want to edit a video, and I'm like, I'm not ready, I don't even know, like Dropbox, Google Drive, this is crazy. Um, and finally I was like, okay take a stab at this, like help me with this. Um, and that started a relationship to where now I pay her to help me do stuff for me. She's helping with my podcast. She's helping with some of my bigger edits. And that's, that started with her being like, let me help you edit and like giving and like sending me stuff and stuff. So um, you just have to, yeah, provide value. That's such a Gary like Vaynerchuk thing to say, but it's so true. It's so true, you know? Uh, where can people find you guys? Thank you for the question, and good luck with everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, where can people find you on the internet, guys? Uh, at Chris Hall NYC on everything. Just, if, if you want any other advice, just DM me, I'll respond. Cool, Brett? Yeah, just type in Brett Conti, you'll, you'll find me. John Hill, so John Hill on everything. But Twitter. But Twitter, it's John Hill Tube, yeah. yeah. It is. Anyways, John Hill. Um, but yeah, I think like this means so much. Thank you guys so much. Um, we're, we'll still be taking selfies and saying hi, but we have to be out of the space in like 30 minutes, I'd say, right? 6 p.m. is the like goodbye, thank you for coming, but go outside, go pester Casey at 368. <laughs> it's right across the street. Uh, but yeah, thank you from the bottom of our hearts, guys. This has been so cool. Um, and it's kind of like a proof of concept of like, oh, we could make this a thing, I feel like, you know? We probably have to figure out a way to like pay Doton for his time and employees, um, but we'll get there, right? We'll figure it out. Um, but yeah, thank you guys so much. Thank you guys so much. Yeah, I'm gonna thank you guys. pack up my stuff, but then I'll be back up for selfies. I love you.